What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and today I was joined by a special guest on the show. I had Jamie Morocco on with me talking about how to shift your beliefs, how to shift your identity, how to create the body transformation from a place of empowerment the body transformation that you desire from a place of empowerment. It was a really impactful conversation. I know you guys are going to love it. If you do, we would love to hear from you. We would love to know who's listening, who appreciates this message. The best way to do that is to share it on your stories on Instagram and tag us both. You can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. You can tag Jamie at Jamie Morocco. That's J-A-I-M-E. M-O-R-O-C-C-O. Tag us both on Instagram. And please, if you are not already following the show or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen, it is the best way to help us reach more people. So go ahead and do me a favor, subscribe, follow. You'll get notified when new episodes are released like this one. So you can stay informed and you can help us reach more people, which, you know, we want to spread the love. We want to share this wisdom with more of the world. And that starts with everybody playing their part. We'll keep producing these amazing episodes and you keep listening and sharing and following and subscribing and everybody will be happy. That's a win-win. All right, enough of the intro. Let's get to the conversation. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. I am joined today by a very special guest. I have Jamie Morocco on the show with me. First of all, Jamie, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So I always love to start with kind of the origin story, just because I feel like it's a crazy industry that we both work in. And we always, typically what I find is that we get into this for personal reasons. And then there's a lot of different pivots along the way as we learn and grow and evolve. So I always love to hear where it all began. And then how did we get to this point to what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I grew up overweight and just really uncomfortable in my body. And I can't really remember a time in my childhood where I did not feel comfortable in my body. Where I sorry, what I did, yeah, where I did not feel uncomfortable in my body. So I just have this memory of like being made fun of, being like the chubby kid. Like I'm sure a lot of people, you know, can can relate. And I would try all these different things to try to lose weight and nothing worked. I tried like the slim fast. I saw a nutritionist when I was like eight years old, you know, I was trying, just trying in my teens, I tried these different things and nothing seemed to work. And, you know, it really is all about how you feel about yourself. And the fact that I felt really uncomfortable in my body, I was a really poor student. I was getting like C minus grades, like barely getting by. I attracted relationships, friendships, and boyfriends that just were not a reflection of, you know, the best that I could, you know, get for myself. And um, it really did eat away at me. And then I turned 18 and I barely got into college, like by the skin of my teeth. And my parents dropped me off at school. And my dad looked at me and he said, if you don't get at least B's this semester, He was like, I am going to have you move home. I'm going to sell your car and you're going to go to like a community college. Like I'm not paying for you to kind of slack off like you did in high school. 
And that was just a big wake up call for me. And I realized that so much of my self-confidence came from just feeling lethargic and unhealthy in my body. I had high cholesterol. I had to have my gallbladder out. Like it was not good. So I made that switch almost immediately when I got into college. And over the course of about a year and a half, I dropped about 60 pounds and I did it, you know, not in the best way. I was not eating enough protein and I did the whole cardio thing. And I ended up becoming too thin for my body. And then it became an obsession. So I felt like a prisoner when I was overweight. And then I felt like a prisoner when I was underweight because I was now um, a slave to the scale and to food. So a couple of years later, when I was like 22, 23, I became a personal trainer. And that's when I learned about proper nutrition, how to fuel your body, um, when I, I actually started training with Ben, uh, Bruno, he became my personal trainer and, and really showed me how important it is for women to lift heavy. And then that really became my foundation. Um, I ended up, uh, I actually went to school for entrepreneurship. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I was always really interested in startups also. So after, um, grad school, I moved out to Silicon Valley and did the whole startup thing for a while. And then um, I got laid off and I just decided to build this online fitness company. And that was in 2015. And I've been all in ever since. So that's awesome. I love it. So the first thing that stood out to me was going to see a nutritionist at eight years old and the early identity shaping years when you are feeling uncomfortable in your own body and not and and not necessarily understanding or having the perspective yet of like what that was truly doing to you. Uh, how much of your identity stayed wrapped up into that version of yourself as you went through that transformation as you got older? Oh my God, so much of it. I had such a fear of gaining weight, um, you know, and whether that's positive or negative, it could go either way, but it really was a large part of my identity, probably up until the last, like maybe 10 years. So yeah. it's a big part. What do you think allowed you to not go through so much of the rinse and repeat cycles that many of us do. I tell my story a lot where when I first went on the journey of losing weight, it was 10 years of losing and gaining and losing and gaining and feeling like I was just on this diet hamster wheel. What do you, what do you feel like allowed you to keep the weight off for so long? I think that it was that fear. Um, And that's why I'm like, I, there's parts of it that were positive and parts of it that were negative. But I had such an identity shift and such a life transformation, like to go from like a C student who I couldn't get the guys I wanted to, to pay attention to me. And I didn't have great friendships to the complete opposite of that, which I think was due to my confidence and my structure. And I was like an A student in scholarships. It was the most massive identity shift for me that there was simply no way like in my mind that I could ever go back to a different lifestyle. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious because when I hear the the fear of gaining weight, it's certainly something that a lot of us can relate to. And, you know, especially when you do have that former version of yourself, like the significantly overweight version of me still exists. And there's part of me that when I do see the scale go up, there's that little tiny voice in the back of my head. That's like, don't go back to that person, even though it's like, you know, a couple pounds overnight. I know logically nothing really happened. It's fine. And I think I've just become more equipped at handling that voice. Not that the voice ever really goes away. Uh, but 
when I hear the fear part of it, it makes me think of times in my life where it made me become really obsessive and I had to track every single bite of food. I had to be so dialed in and rigid with my nutrition. I know just from the time that we've known each other and following your stuff for a while, I know that you do preach a flexible approach, that you preach having food freedom, that you talk about relationship with food. How did you kind of grapple with that dichotomy of feeling that fear, but also of letting go in a sense, because you're not somebody who's going to be always on point and 100% dialed in and like no days off. And that mindset is certainly not something that I associate with you. So uh, I'm not sure if that question makes sense, but how, how do you grapple with those two almost seemingly conflicting ideologies, even though they both exist in reality? Um, but I'm just curious your take. Yeah, that's such a good question. I think that there are two parts of that. I think from a mindset perspective, it's just me understanding that different seasons of life can mean different things. Like I do plan to have children. I do plan to get pregnant and the scale is going to go up and that's a season of life. And I'll know how to take care of it if I decide that I want to take care of it. So I think it's all about realizing that as empowered people, we can trust ourselves to make the decisions that feel best in that moment. Um, The other thing that I think has really helped me, even though it felt like absolute hell at the time when I was going through it is because I had overtrained for so many years and because I was underweight um, for a few years and then I maintained still a very lean physique for most of my 20s, I actually lost my menstrual cycle for about a decade. And um, in order for me to heal my hormones and heal my menstrual cycle, I actually had to put on weight. And I had to put on about 15 or 20 pounds. And the number started to creep to numbers I hadn't seen since I was 18. So for about a decade. And I had my fitness business. So I was going through like vulnerably, like almost like this identity crisis of like, how can I preach this when I'm doing that? And then I realized like, I'm doing what's best for my body right now. And this is a season of life. And when the time is right, I get to take the weight off if that's what feels good for me. So I think it's like, it's realizing that you are the one that's always in control. And if the scale goes up because of different life events that need to happen, or it just goes up because whatever, that you always get to decide what you want to do and take care of it if you want to. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I think you bring up a great point about sometimes there's the perception as coaches that we have to quote unquote, look the part. But I think ultimately, if our message is about health and and wellness and well-being and confidence and all of these empowering aspects that can be tapped into through the vehicles of fitness and nutrition, then somebody who is totally shredded but unhealthy that's really the misaligned message. It's not the message of I'm taking care of my body, which may mean, gaining some weight. Like right now, I've been very open about my my gut health journey that I'm on. The last thing that's on my mind is how lean I am or what my physique looks like. And, you know, fortunately through this process, it has been pretty easy to not have my, my body composition change very much just because I'm eating a lot of quality foods and mm-hmm. it is a little bit rigid because of what I'm dealing with uh, through my gut health. But it's Like the message to me is this is what I'm doing to actually heal my body. That's also what I preach is healing your body. Um, So I think that sometimes that perception can just be a little bit 
misguided and you have to have the six pack. You have to be totally shredded. You have to be lean. But I know that as coaches, sometimes we impose that standard on ourselves and then yeah. it steps outside of that, that box of, of health. And, you know, if we're only judging based off of the scale or physical appearance, then that's a, a slippery slope, as you know. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you and I both know that in order for somebody to maintain an absolutely shredded physique all year round, unless they have like 0.001% of genetics, it's, it is a full-time job. It is not freedom. So you're absolutely right in saying that. And my hope is that in the work that coaches like us do is that we can help shift what health looks like, that it looks so different for every person. But the most important thing is that that person is making the decision about what feels best for them in that season of their life. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you find this, but I always find that there's this moment where I'll have a client and they kind of like release that, that idealized version of themselves that does have the shredded physique. And they start actually taking care of themselves from the perspective of what makes me feel my best. And then that's when the breakthrough happens and their body composition changes. And it's, why do you think that is like, it's because we, we're both very science-based. We, we love to look at research. We love to, you know, stay up to date on all the latest and, you know, making sure that what we're doing is relevant to what the current literature says. And all of those things are, are important. There's just something beyond research that I found throughout my experience as a coach, where it's like, somebody who's fighting this identity or they're fighting this perception or they're fighting this fantasy that they have of what they're quote unquote supposed to look like. And the minute that they let go of that and they start focusing on what makes me feel good now and how can I take care of myself? And then the breakthrough happens. And it's not like their calories changed magically or anything. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. how, how do you, uh, what, what is your experience with that? Yeah. And I can totally relate because I have like most of my clients have that happen where it's like there's, if they're hyper-focused on it, our work as coaches is to help them sort of detach almost. I think that there are two, two explanations come to my mind. One is from a science perspective, if they are putting all that pressure on their body, they're in a state of stress. And when we're in a state of stress, of course, cortisol is running rampant. Maybe it's a little bit harder to signal the body to release weight, right? Because the body is in a stress state. I would say from an energetic perspective, you know, maybe metaphysical perspective is they're operating from a place of lack. So they are sending a signal to the universe, if that's what we want to call it, that they are the opposite of that and that they are in a state of lack and they're putting almost this needy and I call it graspy energy around the thing. And it kind of, it's the same with money. Like if you notice, even in, if we look at, you know, sort of the macroeconomics of the world, money does not go to where it is needed. It goes to usually where it's desired or where there's already a lot of it. Right. And you know, I think that the same is true for people who are working on body transformation. If you're doing it from a place of need and you're putting that graspy energy around it, it's going to be really hard for you to transform yourself. Whereas if you can make peace and let go, I think you're going to accelerate the results and, and you're going to start to collapse time around getting to your goal. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially like, well, the stress component is something that uh, I, I think is completely relevant to just the the way that we operate and what has become normalized in our society. And I think that there's 
so many people who think I just need to push harder. And then that just continues to perpetuate the reason why they're not seeing the change that they want. And then from the um, kind of energetics, and I actually want to dive into that term a little bit more. Um, but from that perspective, um, there's there's just this this tension of I'm not enough or this um, kind of feeling that you're putting out into the world that like you call it lack. And, and to me, that means uh, I don't, I'm not enough right now. And then your brain will subconsciously confirm that any way that it can. So you're always going to keep yourself. And I agree. I think we see it all the time with people. We know as coaches, we're like, if you invest, you know, for somebody that's listening right now, like if you invest with Jamie, you're the ROI is immeasurable. You can't put a number on it. You will see life-changing transformation, but there's this perception of like the money leaving. There's this neediness to your point of like, no, wait, I can't let go of this. And then what happens? You never have enough of it. And there, and it just continues to perpetuate until you let go of that mindset that this is something that you're, you're losing versus something that you're gaining. Um, same thing with that. You know, when we're talking about body transformation, it's just so interesting how those little subtleties in the way that you think and the way that you perceive things, those internal belief systems um, play a huge role. So when you, when you use the term energetics, uh, can you talk more about like what specifically you mean? Yeah, totally. And just to provide some context, you know, I really think of myself as somebody who is very science-based, like you said, but there are also things that happen with my clients and with myself that I can't explain with science. Like I had a client drop 10 pounds in 10 days and it stayed off and I can't, I don't have an explanation for that. So when I think about the term energetics, I think about who are you being on your journey? If you take two people, take two women and they're the same age and the same weight and everything is the same. And one woman is going through her journey in a state of joy and pleasure and trust. And the other woman is going through her journey in a state of guilt and shame and resentment. I can say with 99% certainty, they're not going to have the same outcome. So this is why, you know, when people look at, they want to lose weight, they want to change their body they look for information. There's no shortage of information. There's everybody basically knows how to do it. They're looking for the magic bullet. It doesn't exist. It's, you know, it's calories, protein, and all the things we teach, right? The key though, is why aren't you doing it? And also why aren't you doing it in a state of trust? Like who are you actually being on your journey? So for example, if you are eating an ice cream cone and you're in a state of stress and anxiety and shame, some research suggests that your metabolism can downregulate up to 30%. So you are literally, like you said, it's becoming a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy because your thoughts and emotions are now affecting the chemistry of how your body is digesting and metabolizing the food. Now, from an energetics perspective, I also believe that your thoughts and your feelings are influencing the molecular structure of the food that you're eating before it even touches your mouth. That's not for everybody. I, I get it. But, you know, I really do believe that we can deeply influence the things that we interact with in our lives. And why not take a few minutes to express a little gratitude before you eat, right? So when I think about energetics, it's really who are you being as you go through your journey? And of course, nobody's going to be perfect. And rainbows and butterflies all the time. We're human, but we need to tip the scale 
literally and figuratively like in our favor of positivity and trust in order to get the outcome that we want and in order to keep it. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. I, um, so I'm going to get a little bit personal here and, and I don't, I don't hold anything back on the show, but I don't think I've ever specifically talked about this. Um, currently my fiance and I are in couples therapy and it's, I'm in individual therapy as well. And it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. I, I study behavioral psychology. I, I love thinking about how our brains work, but at the same time, I have work to do on myself and I have work to do in my relationship. And these are things that are always going to be something that I prioritize. And one of the things that we talked about during our last couples therapy session, which is, is relevant. I'll get to the point in a second. Um, we were talking about the times where we have the most productive conversations and communication. And she was asking us to like paint the picture of like when that is. And we're like, Saturday mornings, we, we don't have work. We wake up in the morning, we're relaxed. We have our coffee together and we just like open up the dialogue of like, what did we do well this week? Like, let's spend some time reflecting and asking each other questions. It's always productive. And so her suggestion was like, anytime that there is a friction point, anytime there's tension, we're going to bring that Saturday morning energy into that space. And so as you're saying that, that like, I, I heard my, my therapist, like that energy, bring it into that space, because I think it's true. Like the, the, the stress and we know from even just from actual behavioral psychology research that without a doubt, your thoughts influence your hormones, your, the chemicals that are going on. Like, you know, one of my favorite studies is the, uh, there was like the shake study where they labeled the protein shake, either lean or indulgent and based, and they were the same exact number of calories based on the perception. It literally changed hunger hormones and leptin and ghrelin levels and, and everything like that. So it's fundamentally changing you. Um, so that, that was immediately where my brain went. Um, how do you help somebody practice that or shift? Like you mentioned the example of guilt and shame and going through this process feeling, um, you know, like this place of lack, like how do we start to, to change that narrative or that belief system or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, definitely. And that's such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. I love that. Now I'm going to ask my husband, where do we have our most productive conversations? <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so I think the first step to really shift is creating awareness. Without awareness, we have nothing. And when I say awareness, this doesn't mean that we get into that state of judgment about ourselves. And I can't believe how much shame and guilt and all this stuff that I'm in all day long, because then we'll go down a whole rabbit hole with that. And we're not going to get what we want, but it's this simple awareness. So what I do with clients is I invite them to really just be an observer of their thoughts as they go through the day, their thoughts about their body, their body's ability to drop weight and the food that they eat. And they have, most of them have never done this before, but you would be surprised how many thoughts that we have a day about our body, about our weight and about food. You know, as soon as a food is put in front of us, we're automatically having thoughts about it. There might be, okay, there's sugar, is sugar good or bad? Okay, it's vegetables, are vegetables good or bad, right? So that awareness, that neutrality allows us to shift because once we're aware of something, we can do something about it, right? And that what that awareness also does is it allows us to say, wait a second, this is just a thought that I'm having, but it doesn't have to be my truth, right? Thoughts are just thoughts. They're only true when we accept them as such. 
right? So if we can start to re-question the thoughts that we have about food, body, and our body's ability to release weight, if we can start to question those, we can decide, is this thought serving me? Or does it belong with my old programming? So I literally, I call this the filing system technique. I literally have clients go through their day and start to file their thoughts. They're like, okay, this is old programming. Or they're like, okay, this is new programming. This is this is my truth. This is what I want to believe. And it's through those little micro actions that start to build and build and build over time because our identity is based off of our thoughts and the ones that we believe to be true. So if we can start to discard the thoughts that we don't accept this truth, and if we can start to accept the ones that we do want as truth, we're going to shift who we, who we are. So I'm curious if you have them journal throughout that process to actually put it down on paper, or is it more of just, I'm taking a a mental log of these thoughts that I'm having throughout the day. What do you, what have you found to be more effective? It really depends on the individual. So like for me, when I do this with myself, because I do it with like money and business and all that stuff, I do it mentally because that's how it sticks for me. But some clients do need to write it down. So they'll keep a journal with them or they'll have a note in their Apple notes. It's really like whatever way is going to stick for them. So somebody could just experiment and see what, what is actually sticking for them. Yeah. And then as you go through that, you know, I think one of the things that oftentimes we have unrealistic expectations as we're starting to make an identity identity shift, as we're shifting that internal operating system and upgrading our programming, we expect it to be perfect. What's your method or how do you help clients deal with and process the fact that they will slip into the old programming that they will subconsciously maybe default back to old behaviors or they'll believe thoughts immediately as fact. And one of my favorite things is detaching those things, thoughts and fact, and you know, accepting that my my thoughts and, and uh, emotions don't have to dictate my behaviors and actions. Um, but there is that challenge of when I when I go back to that old programming, I get frustrated because I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be this new upgraded version of myself. How do you help clients with Uh, Maybe it's a a perfectionist mindset where they think they should nail it right out of the gates. Yeah. I tell them that they're going to mess up or they're going to color. I call it coloring outside the lines. You're going to color outside the lines. And I actually tell them in the beginning that I don't want them to be perfect on their journey. Like I have my clients fill out a tracker. And if I see that they're trying to be all green and they're just filling out everything perfectly, I'm going to say, go eat like an extra brownie or something like go kind of like be in the gray area or whatever, because we have to know not only how do we hold ourselves accountable to our process, but how do we lead ourselves when we make a mistake? That is such an important skill set in the game of weight loss and body transformation, because, and I know you know this, but maintaining your weight is all gray area. It's not perfect. You know, there are times I look at a food and I'm like, oh, that's not the best thing. And I have to reprogram. It's an ongoing, it's an ongoing journey, you know, and there's going to be times where you feel like you veered off course. And one of the things I like to tell clients is we have to think about when we start a body transformation journey, like we're starting on a, on a path, right? It's like, I think it was Lao Tzu that said like a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. We're walking along the path, but when we make a mistake, we're not going back to step one. We just might have like taken a little bit of a detour, but we're going to get back on the same path. And I think what people do is they assume when they take the detour that they have to turn around and start back at square one. 
And that's not what it is because when we understand that there actually is so much power, like in our, in our perceived mistakes, then we win. Like I shared on Facebook, this is me being vulnerable. I shared on Facebook that in 2022, I spent about $80,000 on coaches and some programs that I just, they were not what I thought that they were going to be. And, you know, I spent more money on coaches that were great and all the things. And of course, you know, they're great people. And it just wasn't the thing that I thought that it was going to be. So I could sit there and I could say, oh my God, I wasted $80,000. How could I have done this? Or I can say, you know what? I got $80,000 worth of lessons. And that's what I decided to do, even though it was really hard. And I feel like that mindset has saved me so much. It saved my clients so much because then you make sure that you go back and you extract the lessons that you get from when you did veer off course so that you don't make those same mistakes again, or so that you're better equipped next time they show up. Yeah. I think that's, that's the key right there. You just nailed it. Is that experience of even when I learned the lesson, I still might fall victim to the next time that it happens, but I'm going to be more aware. I'm going to catch it sooner in the process. I'm going to course correct sooner. And that's the thing that makes all the difference in the world. It's not being perfect. It's just slowly and gradually over time, becoming more equipped at handling that same situation or the next mistake that you didn't even see coming because we all have blind spots and something happens and we're like, I did not expect that, but you know what? I'm, I'm more equipped to handle it now and to move forward. So I think it's, you just, I think summed it up perfectly. I want to take a brief pause in this conversation with Jamie. As you can tell, it's really important to both of us that you do things that align with who you are as a person, things that make you feel your best. To me, there is no better way to start the day. Nothing makes me feel better than starting the day with putting something positive into my body. I think it sets the tone for the rest of the day. It gets me off to a great start with prioritizing myself and my own well-being. The way that I do that is I begin each morning with my Organifi green juice. I am all about the crisp apple flavor right now. I'm telling you, it is delicious. It's the best tasting green juice that I've ever had. I've, I've gone through all the greens powders, maybe not all of them, but I've tried a lot and Organifi knocked it out of the park with the flavor and the ingredients. You know, number one, they only use the highest quality of ingredients. We also know that getting a variety of plants, fruits, vegetables, things like that is so important to your gut health. You guys know I've been on this gut healing journey. Starting the day with a variety of vitamins and minerals and micronutrients is one of the best things that you can do for your health. Organifi Green Juice has you covered and we have you covered on this show with 20% off. If you go to Organifi.com slash popfam and use code popfam at checkout, you get 20% off all of their products. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M. Use code popfam at checkout. You know that I start my day with their green juice, the crisp apple. You also know that I finish my day with their gold juice. The chocolate flavor in particular is absolute heaven. Mel and I were just on a walk today talking about how much we love our gold juice nighttime routine. I'm not even joking. You might think we're weird that we talk about that on our walks. That was literally a topic of conversation. We were saying that we love to have this little trigger that tells us that eating is over for the day. We both love to eat. We both love food. And 
if you let us, we'll just keep going till all hours of the night. So having that shutdown moment of, hey, Organifi Gold Juice, that means that food is done for the day. It has actually been a lifesaver for both of us. So go to Organifi.com, use code POPFAM, Organifi.com slash POPFAM, use code POPFAM for 20% off. Start with their green juice, start with their gold juice, crisp apple for green, chocolate for gold, try out some of the other products that they have. And let's get back to the conversation with Jamie Morocco. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it's never like the, I really don't believe it's the mistakes that we make that matter. It's the meaning that we give them. And like, this is so true with weight loss. So if you think about like, let's say that somebody is sticking to their meal plan or their, you know, their flexible dieting plan. And it's like 1800 calories a day. And let's say they eat an extra brownie and that puts them at like 2000 calories for the day. One person might sit there and say, okay, not a big deal. Like, I'm not going to make it mean anything. Just going to get back, you know, on track tomorrow. Not a question. The other person makes that one brownie mean that they've failed. They're a failure. They'll never get what they want. See how it's like, I really feel like the meaning that we give things is what matters the most. And the faster that we can just give ourselves some grace and understand that we're human, we're going to be so much happier and we're going to get the results that we want because we're not going to go down that whole spiral of making ourselves wrong for everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I want to throw out like a hypothetical. Let's say you, you do have somebody that is kind of on this path and, and they're working on that identity shift. They're working on, uh, you know, flipping or reframing the meaning that they're giving to certain things, but then they have a moment and let's just say holiday season, just because we came out of that, right. We're in the new year and somebody's like, you know what? I, uh, the scales up 10 pounds since the holidays and I'm feeling bloated. I'm feeling frustrated. I can't believe I let myself, I was doing so well. I can't believe I let this happen. Um, how would you help them kind of reframe and bring it back into focus? Yeah. So I think sometimes we do just have to like feel our feelings. So I would say, okay, like maybe need a day, like just kind of, you know, do what you can to get yourself back on track. And once you've let that emotion roller coaster run its course, like let's put a plan together. And then what I would ask them is what I, I would get really curious around, like, what was the trigger that led to it becoming that, you know, maybe maybe they said that they were going to have like a more flexible day um, for a few days during the holidays, but it turned into like 10 days. And I would say, well, what was the trigger behind that? And I would get really curious about that, you know, because what, what people end up feeling regrets for is when they make decisions that are not empowered. So if like you committed to maybe eating more three days for the holidays, and you ate more three days for the holidays, then you can't really be mad at yourself because you've just made an empowered decision, right? You decided it. But if you said three days and now it's 10, something happened, some trigger happened, right? So I'll get really curious about what the trigger is. And uh, some of the popular things that I hear are, I said, screw it. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to get to my goal. I'm so far away from my goal as it is. Um, it'll never work for me. Um, I don't trust myself to keep it off. I'm afraid of my identity of who I'll be when I'm at my goal weight. So that's what I look for. I look for what was the belief that started that cascade of events that you did not want to happen. And once we can look for what that underlying thought or belief was, then we get to do the work to say, well, what do we actually want to be true instead? 
or there might be fear there, right? So like one of the examples I gave is I'm afraid of what my life will be like if I am a leaner person. So then we got to unpack, well, what, what are all the fears that you associate with being a leaner person? And then we get to like rewrite what those fears look like and put them in a more empowering light. Again, it's not like a one and done thing, like it's not going to be perfect, but at least it starts that process um, going of really understanding what caused that and and how can we begin to shift it? Yeah, you brought up an interesting point that I want to dive into, that fear of success. How much do you think that that plays into the resistance to change? Because one of my one of my favorite quotes is a Virginia Satir quote, and people on this show are sick of me saying it, but I'm going to keep I'm going to keep shouting it out. Uh, it's most prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. It's kind of like the devil, you know, right? If we're in a situation, it's known, it's comfortable. I've already felt these feelings before, so they're not new and scary. Then there's the uncertainty of what does my life look like if I do achieve this body transformation? What does my life look like if I do? make this investment or hire this coach or make this change or grow in this way. And then all like our brain hates uncertainty because it wants to keep us alive. It wants to know what's coming. It wants predictability. But then there's this whole world of uncertainty out there. Uh, How much do you think that that plays into the resistance to change where it's actually a fear of success and not a fear of failure? Oh, I think a lot. I think a lot. Um, I work, I, I work with all types of women, but this specifically reminds me of the women I work with who um, they own a company or they've worked their way up, you know, the ladder in the corporate world. And they have, you know, they have the home and the money and the husband and all the things. And they feel like this is the last piece for them, but they realize they've used the weight as an apology. Like, Hey, you can't, you know, hate on me because I have this extra weight. That's the way that they frame it to me. And I think that it's exactly that. It's fear of having it all. And if I have it all, it's not safe because people will come for me. It's unknown. What if everybody sees me lose the weight and then I gain it all back? It's a lot of those things. So I think it's a really, really big part of it. And my advice there, and I can I can only speak from personal experience of what I did to overcome that. I actually had to take myself in my mind, to the deepest and darkest places and realize that I would be okay no matter what. Like I have, I take myself to the place. I'm like, okay, what would happen if my husband left me and took my dog and, you know, all our money was gone and all my clients left and I had no more business and everybody I loved was out of my life. But what, like I take myself there and I do that because I realize that, at the end of the day, like I trust myself and I know deep down every single one of us does, even though on the surface, it might feel really hard to access that, but we all, there is that part of our, whether we want to call it our soul or our higher consciousness, that, that inner knowing that does know that we would be okay. Yeah. You're, you're touching on all the therapy tactics. I love it. This is another one where <laughs> so. It's so funny because we we often shut down that feel like you mentioned the example of the woman who is afraid of having it all. So, they, you know, the money, the house, the family, everything looks great. So then the physical thing is like the last piece and they're almost using that as like the reason, you know, it's like, but but look, I don't have this thing. So I'm just like everybody else. And when you start to think about 
if I did have the body as well, and if I was the physical embodiment of the person I want to become, then they probably start to think about being criticized or being looked at in a different way. And that feels uncomfortable. So they shut the feeling down. Mm -hmm. And what I learned in therapy is you got to push past that wall. There's the, the, the point that you're shutting the feeling down. It doesn't allow you to go past that to the dark place that you're talking about. Like, let's just, let's just follow that thread. What if all of that is true? What if people did have things to say about me? What if people were upset that I had it all? What if people were jealous? What if people were telling me that I'm too much and all these things like keep going, follow that thread and keep following it. And at the end of that thread, you're still okay. And that's when you get to a true place of acceptance and allowing yourself to step into that. Like, if this is something that I want, I've already been to the dark place and I know it ends up with me being okay. So I think that's a powerful exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so important, but like you said, most people are just not conditioned to to push past it, right. To push past that fear, but it's so important and also really liberating. Yeah, completely. Uh, So what are some of the things that you've because you've been on this journey for a while, you've had your business for a while. Um, I always look at, I think it's fun to look back at like where I started and some of the things that I believe to be true and the way that I've leveled up in in what I believe now and how transformation occurs. And, uh, you know, I talk more, I've, I've always been kind of a mindset person, but it's definitely a much greater emphasis for me and our coaching program. What are some of the things that have evolved for you uh, from the time that you got into this space to the time you started your business um, and some of the things that you've just maybe paradigm shifts that you have, maybe things that you previously believed that you've since upgraded your beliefs on? Uh, I'm just curious to see a little bit of a peek behind the curtains into your own evolution. Yeah, definitely. I would say that you know, when I first became like a personal trainer, I was definitely more focused on the process rather than the person. Like, of course, I was focused on the person. I was training people in person and teaching classes and I cared about my clients, but it was like, I'm going to make them fit the program. And now it's so much of, I'm going to make my program fit them. Like I'm going to look at them as a bio individual human, not just metabolically, but also from a mindset perspective and energy perspective and design around that. Um, that has been one of the biggest shifts for me. And, and also with that came an immense focus on the science and the consistency and the doing to more of who are you being on your journey. So I would say that that was the biggest focus for me as a professional, but it also very much mirrored my personal experience. Yeah. I'm wondering if you've had, this is just something that I wrote about recently, where I found that when you have such a personalized approach, we've we've become so conditioned to like the, the diet industry way of, here's your template that everybody follows. And it's like, this is the exact playbook. Here you go. Any person, doesn't matter who you are, just follow this playbook. And people are so conditioned to that when when you have something that's so high touch and highly personalized, they're almost like, wait, what do I do again? Like, you're not just going to tell me exactly what to eat and when to eat it and exactly when to train and how to do it. Like, do you find any of that? Like, there's just this conditioning that's happened which is so like templated and just like follow the exact blueprint and 
there is no exact blueprint. It really matters who you are as a person. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that I think that that paradigm is really it kind of reminds me of like I call it like the biggest loser mentality. Like we grew up watching like Biggest Loser and they were working hard and eating very little and being told exactly what to do almost in a militant way. And I've found especially early in my profession that people really wanted that. And I started to tell them that, and I started to realize because I started to do that with some clients where I would like text them every day and like be like, okay, I realized that that was doing them such a complete disservice because it created codependency. And that's not what I wanted to create for people because what good is it if you get results when you work with me, but you don't when you don't work with me? Like, I want to make sure that you can do this for the rest of your life. So I think that you know, I really think that that paradigm came from almost this, like, I need all this accountability and I need somebody over my shoulder. And it's like, you don't need that. And in fact, here's why it's not serving you. And instead, here is how to be an empowered person on your journey so that we can co-create your results without you having to completely depend on an external person. Yeah. I think that that perspective of thinking, what does life look like after after the program, after the support, after the coach, whatever it may be, that really should help to open your eyes if this is something that's going to be sustainable. Because if you're just handed a meal plan and a, you know, a, a workout template and you're being, you need to be told exactly when to eat, exactly what foods to pick and all that stuff, what's going to happen when all of that's removed? And, and we see it, you know, there's, I mean, there's plenty of programs out there that still operate that way. And we have a lot, a lot of long-term follow-up data that says they're not successful. And it's just, I get it. I know that it's emotionally appealing when you're in a dark place and there's the promise of fast results. And sometimes it feels like it will be less of a time and energy to demand to just be told what to do, um, especially for people who are busy lives. And it's like, yeah, if somebody just telling me exactly what to do and when to do it, that sounds like it would be nice. Um, so before I continue on this thread, I'm curious how you would interject at that point. So the person who does take that mindset of like, it's just less stress for me to be told what to do. How would you walk them through that mindset and maybe uh, shifting their perspective a little bit? Yeah. So one of a popular statistic that I share is that 97% of people who lose weight gain it back. So that's a really, really high statistic. And I tell them that if you want to be part of the 3% of people who not only get to your goal, but keep it off, you've got to learn how to do this for yourself. You know, if you're, if you're okay with gaining the weight back, there's a million other programs that you can follow. Right. But I'm really honest because I actually, you know, lovingly would not want to take somebody on who was just, and I have turned people away who just want that fast result. I had you know, there was actually some, a celebrity who was connected to my network, who I had a consultation with. She's like, I want to drop 20 pounds in the next two weeks before this photo shoot. I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm not the person for you because it's not healthy, probably not possible. And you're just going to gain it all back and then some after. So I think that it's just like, I think that if we can really see like, what is the long-term goal here? I mean, you wrote a post recently about how um, dieting is a strong predictor, right? Of weight regain, right? So we want to keep the dieting 
as minimal as possible. And that really means doing it in a way that's sustainable. So it can be the last time that you do it. Yeah. Well said. Um, this was super helpful for me. And and I think for everybody listening, I would love for you to just take a minute to let everyone know where they can connect with you. How can, how they can learn more about what you've got going on and stay up to date on all the things that you're offering. Yeah, definitely. Um, Feel free to add me or follow me on Facebook. I'm very active there. It's just my name, Jamie Morocco, and also Instagram and TikTok as well. Um, All the handles are the same. It's just my name and feel free to reach out or send me a message or, you know, join my free group, whatever feels good for you. Awesome. I'll be sure to put all of that in the show notes. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thank you for Uh, your perspective and wisdom and uh, for hanging out with me on the show. And I know we'll stay in touch and we'll chat soon. Thank you so much. This was great, Mike.